I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Mm-hmm. C'est bon. <laughs> How are you? Um, I'm good. My head is spinning a little bit still because uh, we can go out now and drink. Legally. Which you have taken full advantage of. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, the previous week you were in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And then this past week I was in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Helping my mom with some things. The, the world has just opened back up to us like a great big vagina. And, okay. Which and, is a bullet of a Broadway reference. Okay. And then <laughs> I wasn't feeling well when, before I even left to Phoenix, but I, it was something I had to do, so I pushed through it. And while I was there, I was concerned I had COVID. Mm -hmm. I am vaccinated, but... um. I went and got a COVID test. It was negative. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a stressful week. Yeah. I, then I came home on Saturday, yesterday, mm -hmm. and went to urgent care. Yes. But they just told me that uh, I was uh, suffering from the effects of post-nasal drip, basically. And you drink too much black coffee. And I was drinking too much black coffee and it gave me heartburn. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get that together and I'll be... Back in school shortly. Mm -hmm. But moving on. But so it was a stressful week for you and actually a very big week for me. Yes. So um, Variety <laughs> mm -hmm. posted something recently uh -huh. that had your name in it. Yeah. So tell us about I'm, that. I'm in the trades. Well, we've alluded to it on several um, previous podcasts when talking about watching Fanny Ardant films and... The, uh, I think we recorded something the the night before we had the conversation with Fanny um, about signing on to a film I wrote called Personal Trainer uh, to be directed by Stephen Rasika, starring Adam Davenport, Davenport, Omar Sharif Jr., and Haas Sleeman. Uh, Haas Sleeman is uh, he he's in that film The Visitor from two thousand seven with Richard Jenkins. Um, that? I think Richard Jenkins was nominated for in. Oscar for that film, a Tom McCarthy movie. Uh, but he's about to be in the Chloe Zhao Eternals, the what everybody's calling the gay Marvel movie that I think comes out in November. Sure. Um, anyway, like th this has been something I've been working on, obviously, over the pandemic. And uh, the fact that it was announced in Variety, of course, means I can now talk about it. Uh, and if I don't sound enthusiastic enough, I, it's very—it's been a very surreal process and something you know. You just never—you keep working towards something like this happening, never knowing if it will. And granted, there are many things along the way that could derail it, but it's pretty much, you know, besides a, a few small things that need to fall into place. It's considering where we come from. It's, I, it's supposed to shoot in Serbia in September. When did you start writing the screenplay? Uh, I met with Adam and Steven in February of 2020. It was right after we saw that Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Okay. Uh, and they pitched me this idea, and then that's when I started outlining it. So, the story is described as, like, misery on steroids. The variety headline says it's an erotic thriller, although you've read all the versions of it, and I don't know that I'd say it's erotic, per se. No, and I don't know if... I think if people want to know more about what the story is, they can check out the Variety article. Sure. Um, but, yeah, it's very exciting. <clears throat> I mean, you know, the fact that 
Fanny Ardant liked the script. I mean, you know, I'm just, I'm very over the moon on that. Uh. <laughs> I think I'm also a little sedate about it just because I, I don't want to, like, I don't want to jinx it. And I think once it's in the can, then I'll feel good about it. But until then, just knowing how things go and how far projects get and then they just stall. I don't want to get too excited and talk too much about it. But I'm very happy for you and uh, you. I, I'm sure more things are on the horizon. Um, I hope so. Uh, because now that we, we were joking about, uh, I was joking about writing something else that uh, I wanted to outline with you <laughs> that I think we might move forward on. Uh, also, Can is coming up. I'm leaving uh, at the end of the week. Uh, and I wanted, I'm, I'm hoping we make time, because you've never seen Fanny in a movie. No. And Eight Women is, I mean, she's, I, I think I was the 101st film credit on her IMDb. <laughs> so she's in a lot. Um, you know, she used to be married to Francois Truffaut, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I, Eight Women is a favorite and also stars uh, Isabelle Huppert and Catherine Deneuve. I'm and sure I'll watch Eight Women. We, we, I would like, I hope we watch that before I go to Cannes. Well, we'll see how you act, how things go, and then we can <clears throat> we can give an update later. Um, we probably we might try to do a well. You will arrive. You leave Saturday, and you will arrive in France. Like I'll talk to you on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if we can record something Sunday, or we can record before I get on a plane. Or or that yeah. Um, or you know we could. Maybe record something while you're there and just keep it shorter. Mm. I thought it might also be fun to do like check-ins, like Zoom check-ins for the YouTube channel. But we'll see how that goes, what your internet's like. and Yeah, privacy as well because I'm sharing a space with two journalists. So there's that. But moving on, so you're still watching Tribeca screenings and you've already started can screenings. Do you want to talk about any of that? No. Well, Tribeca, I think when we filmed last week, had just announced its awards. Uh, and I caught up with the, the winner, the novice, with Isabel Fearman, uh, which, <laughs> granted, I was up late drinking wine watching it. It was, felt like it was a, an emotional uh, experience, really great performance from her. Um, so, And I can see why it won. Um, but yeah, I, I think I segued immediately from catching up on some Tribeca screenings because it was online as well as a physical uh, festival event and then immediately started watching uh, Cannes, uh, that I can't really talk about the pre-screenings uh, for Cannes, immediately started filtering in. Um, because it's a very large program and if you're lucky enough, uh, sometimes publicists will grant you, you know, early access, especially for smaller title films. Because, you know, everybody's gunning to do cover the main competition, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, you know, like Critics Weeks and Directors Fortnight and even in certain regards, uh, sidebar items sometimes get left in the dust. So it's, it's a great way to ensure that some journalists will be covering. Um, so I've seen about six films that are about to premiere can so far. Probably, I'm hoping to get about 15 in uh, before even getting on a plane, so that should make things easier. Um, so since last week, I tried to watch Zola twice, but I was having extreme te technical difficulties, so... Which I'm so bummed about, because it's I, so good. Um, I'm sure I'll, 
I'll catch it once it's on a streaming platform. Yeah, I think, well, it opens theatrically on the 30th, so who knows, maybe it'll be a, um, a sneak peek on Amazon Prime or something. Hopefully. Um, something, something that I, there is a show I enjoy that I know you don't, but um, while I was in Phoenix, I watched several many episodes of it, and I always cry watching Hoarders. Oh my god. I don't know why I get so emotional watching that show. Well, because it's, it's difficult watching people struggle. And, do and I don't watch it because I think it's funny and I'm, and like, like it's, it's just fascinating seeing people, like you say, struggle to manage their, like, their lives and their feelings and it's not easy getting rid of your things. It is for me, but I understand that for other people it's not. So mm -hmm. You have the yeah. opposite problem. I have the opposite problem. <laughs> I don't want to keep anything, but um, yeah, like that show makes me cry. It is. No, it, all make, the time. it makes me cry too. And you, you're always putting on, like at dinner time, my 600 pound life. And it's like, oh God. I, it's, it, you know, because we're fascinated by kind of the grotesqueness of it, but also it's, it's very. Um, disconcerting well and i wouldn't say that i am fascinated by the like the sort of grotesqueness of it I'm, i mean like america america yes no i'm not watching it because i think it's like watching circus freaks right i i very much relate to having food issues and i think they manifest you know a thousand pound lady struggling with her eating habits is on the same level to me as like a karen carpenter mm -hmm. like they're both gonna die from the shit mm -hmm. and they both have no control I think as a society, we judge overweight people and praise people who are underweight, mm -hmm. which is so twisted. Right. And then how much more difficult life is for someone who is morbidly obese and the judgments we pass. I think what is cathartic about watching those things, maybe, which is an excuse, is when you see it, like, it's good to see people move beyond. Or I, I think that's what makes me cry usually is like seeing people have little successes mm -hmm. and overcoming things that they've held on to. Um, and you know, just like every intervention, every My 600 Pound Life episode, every Hoarders episode, the subject, there's always some past trauma that sort of stimulated mm -hmm. the issue and you know I like we all have pasts and some of us are able to manage better than others but I think you know it's a fine line well and who, who, I don't know how I don't crack who, daily who, who, so <laughs> well you do have a, a, you do have a support system uh, sure I think that you know that comes down to a lot people aren't if you don't have a stable support system or are financially stable or access to medical health care, you know... Those could be factors. You know, yes. that that's, it's a slippery slope that you can slide down quick. Yeah. Um, lastly, for general things, do we want to talk about Drag Race? Sure. Well, we haven't... Because of our travels... Uh, we have not finished Down, down Under. Under, which I honestly like... So I don't know who won, but I feel like I we, do. But I'm, I'm e even with that knowledge, I'm not interested in finishing it. But we will. We we owe it since we've ragged on. <laughs> we we yeah we do need to watch it so we can shut the hell up about it. Uh, we also started Drag Race España. We yeah, watched one episode. One episode. Um, I liked it more than Australia, mm -hmm. but 
still not enough to like be excited to catch up. So we have, I think we are behind like four episodes. Yeah. yeah. But All Star Season 6 dropped. Yep. And the highlight for me, obviously, was episode two, because there were two episodes premiered on, on the same day. On the same night. Mm -hmm. And episode two, the winner of that episode is Raja O'Hara. Mm -hmm. And she had, her lip sync assassin uh, was Brooklyn Heights, mm -hmm. who I don't care for. Uh, and they lip synced to Janet Jackson's number one hit, Miss You Much. Uh huh. And they both actually did a really good job. They did a. They, I think Raja had the edge for me. I think but... Raja had the edge, a little more funk to it. You know, it, it could have been better from both of them, but I think they did a tremendous job. Yeah. Um, so that was exciting for me. But do you have any initial thoughts about the all-star contestants? Do we have time to go over them? Um, all of them? I mean... What if I say their names and you just tell me, like, your initial thought? Word association. Oh, God. Okay. What do you think about that? Sure, go ahead. Ready? Mm-hmm. Akira C. Davenport. Uh, underdog. Eureka. Uh, polished. That's what I would have said. Ginger Minge. Tired. Oh. <laughs> Jan. Dull. Jiggly Caliente. Uh, glow Up. Kylie Sonique Love. Lovely. Pandora Box. Uh, cynical. Raja O'Hara. Uh, uh, favorite. Scarlet Envy. Uh, that's it. Serena Chacha. Gone, thank God. Silky Nutmeg Ganache. Too much. Trinity K. Bonet. Uh, confidence. Needs confidence. Yeah. And lastly, Yara Sofia. Crazy. 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 Loco. <laughs> so, love, early prediction, who do you think will win? Probably... I think Eureka will be a top three. Who would you like to win? Um, okay, so I, I did really... We've talked about her personally a lot. Like, Raja on her season, I think I liked a lot. We got to see her lip sync a lot. But her attitude was always like, oh, you're just... Like, like that came out as a self-defense mechanism. So, right out the gate, she seems ready. and With, she, a, with a new attitude. Yeah, honey. and beautiful. Looks like Sparkle to me. But, you know, yeah. beautiful. And I'd love to see her get top three, at least... Um, I also think Eureka will win, but my favorite is Raja. I just, I think her, like you said, her defense mechanism, I, I think is rooted in this idea that like, especially like people of color who are automatically the underdogs, mm -hmm. who are oftentimes more talented than their counterparts. Well, you're, so the, all this morning you had All Stars season three on? Yeah. Where the whole Melk, Kennedy, Davenport very much exemplified that yes <clears throat> and they have very different skill sets right so it's not to take away from milk but it's like the audacity the, to, the caucasity uh, yeah of milk to just discount kennedy just because you don't like you don't her like her or don't understand it or don't know references because you never bothered. right you don't you don't bother to know anything about black culture and i think you know that's always the struggle is like someone like kennedy davenport wouldn't attack her Milk's dragged that way. No. But Milk feels very comfortable saying, like, well, that's weird. No one likes that. What you do you don't mean no one likes you that? You don't deserve to be this here. This person yeah. has had, like, a 20-year career, like, entertaining people. Clearly, people like it. It's just that you're... It's well, not your thing. 
But that's how I feel about Raja. I think her attitude on her original season was in response to people just didn't see her as a threat. And it's like, but she's funny, mm -hmm. she's pretty, mm -hmm. and she can so. dance her ass off. And she's a talented seamstress. Mm -hmm. So the fact that she has this new attitude where she's trying to be positive and it it's just everything I need. But to be fair, Eureka really is I do like a very her. polished I you know, there she that situation with the Vixen screwed the Vixen over. It um, did. I don't think that was intentional on I think, you know, she's I know that Eureka's addressed it a lot and blah blah blah, but uh you know, you don't forget those things either. So no. I don't <laughs> But moving on, so you want to talk about some new projects, so let's get through these. Besides um, my own, yes. Besides your own. Let's get through these. We'll, we'll have a, um, we'll have, well, if the movie gets made, then we'll obviously do an episode on the movie, mm -hmm. and then we'll do a, a video, because I'm sure you'll visit. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll be doing a set visit in Serbia. In mm -hmm. Serbia, so I'm sure you'll take video, and we'll mm -hmm. make, you know, something about that. But anyway, new projects, so Walter Hill's Dead for a Dollar. Mm -hmm. You know Walter Hill? Do I? Yeah, he directed... His last movie was The Assignment, starring Sigourney Weaver and Michelle Rodriguez. Okay. But obviously, you know, he produced the Alien films, uh, 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 an auteur in his own right. Uh, he has announced a new project, a Western. Um, Walter Hill at one point said all his films in some shape, way, or form are Western, which is, if you are familiar with his filmography, interesting to parse to, to examine that statement. Uh, but... Willem Dafoe and Christoph Waltz will be starring as uh, an outlaw and uh, uh, law enforcement in a western called Dead for a Dollar. Okay. So I'm excited for that. Next we have Brandon Cronenberg's Infinity Pool. You know Brandon Cronenberg? He did a... Uh, Possessor. Possessor. And of course The Son of David. Uh, his third film was just announced this week called Infinity Pool with Alexander Skarsgård attached. Um, it sounds right up my alley, as most of the Cronenbergian things are. Uh, a couple is on some vacation at a resort, and a, a freak accident exposes like this insidious, perverse, underground thing going on at the resort. <laughs> oh, that sounds interesting. Uh -huh. But So Infinity Pool, that's uh, supposed to film in September. Next is David Fincher's The Killer. You know Fincher. Uh, do I? Girl, you know... Oh my God. Name a, name a movie I've seen. Alien 3... Oh, okay. The Game. The Game? Seven. What's The Game? With Michael Douglas and Sean Penn. Oh, yes. Um, Gone Girl, Mank, which we just watched this past year. Okay. Um, oh, my God. So many, uh, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. I've, you've made... Yes, I've watched his films. Uh, Mindhunter was a creation of his. Okay. Which you liked, I thought. Yeah. Okay, so David Fincher. Uh, also was a talented video... Music video director before all that. Anyhow, he has a new film. Usually, it takes a long time between projects, but so far it's called The Killer, and it's starring Michael Fassbender, and it's reuniting him with his Mank cinematographer Eric Messerschmidt. All right. Then we have Zoe Kravitz's Pussy Island, mm -hmm, which title alone, uh, which will star Channing Tatum and Naomi Aki, who was in a film I really like called Lady Macbeth. Um, yeah, that, that is getting a lot of attention as well. Lastly, Ari Aster's Disappointment Boulevard. I know this was announced before, but we never talked about it. And I know you're a fan of Ari Aster. What did he do? Hereditary in Midsummer. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, well, his new film, Disappointment Boulevard, which is going to star Joaquin Phoenix and Amy Ryan and Patti LuPone uh, and Nathan Lane, uh, is described as a sickly domestic melodrama in the vein of Douglas Sirk, which I am, I would already line up for. Oh my God. Because Douglas Sirk, you know, was of those soapy melodramas of the 50s that many filmmakers have been influenced by since then, like Fassbinder and Todd Haynes. Um, and you you like Douglas Sirk, Imitation of Life. Wow, that is a good movie. Yes. Okay, but that is that was his yeah. last that was his last film with Lana Turner and Juanita Moore and uh, what's her name Mahalia Jackson is in that. Yes. Um, singing, but <laughs> uh, oh God, uh, written on the wind and all that heaven allows with Jane Wyman. I mean, they are exceptional films, and to see that Ari Aster, who we already know is a big Weirdo, uh, Patty Lupone, and a, a sickly domestic melodrama in the vein of Sir called Disappointment Boulevard. Let that title sink in. Stick in, sink in. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm very excited. So it, it was announced before. I think the budget's like 65 mil. I think it's A24. I mean, when this comes out, it's gonna be done. Oh. Moving on to films you watched but didn't review on the YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. I carry you with me. I tried to get you interested in this. I believe it's Sony Pictures Classics. Um, it did play at Tribeca right before it opened this week. Uh, it's about a pair of uh, handsome young Mexican men that are gay and one of them uh, leaves for a better life uh, in the U.S., obviously, and then they're... He, he leaves behind a son, the one that comes over, uh, and eventually his lover comes and he just doesn't get to see his son for 20 odd years. Uh, but it, it was moving. Um, you know, any tale of border crossing is, I think, difficult to watch. Um, like the hardest moment is he's got this best friend who's this bigger woman and she can't make it with the coyote. Um, and he almost leaves her behind to die. <laughs> oh, so God. fucking distressing. Um, but yeah, I, I know you weren't interested in it, but overall I think you'd like it, and also we so rarely get to see um, kind of more or less positive queer romance films that are well attenuated outside of the U.S. Next is Bad News Bears. Yeah, for some odd reason, I needed a break from all these screenings, and I put on Michael Ritchie's surprise classic, The Bad News Bears, which has since been remade, and I also had, I think, two sequels. Um, Michael Ritchie, uh, we just watched Michael Ritchie film, uh, Wildcats with Goldie Hawn. Oh. So this is his earlier sports, well, he did Downhill Racer as well, but this is an earlier sports hit um, about a kid's baseball team, but it was fine. Uh, I guess I see why it was beloved at the time, but Walter Matthau and, uh, it, you know, it's fun to see Tatum O'Neill and Jackie Earl Haley as kids. Um, and of course, you know, you, you've never seen Paper Moon, have you? No. Oh, Tatum O'Neill is so good. And she won her Oscar for that as a little girl. I was, well, I just, I also rewatched season three? No, season... She's a judge on Drag Race, right? Yeah, season two. And she talks about her... She had drug problems. But she talks about how her dad didn't show up to the Academy Awards when, when she, she was, won. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, you, oh God, Madeline Kahn is so good in Paper Moon... Peter Bogdanovich film. It is... We own it. We That'd be a great Sunday afternoon film. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. 
All right, moving on. You wanted to talk about a, a Stephen Cohen retrospective? Oh, yeah. Movie is doing a Stephen Cohen represent, a retrospective. Three films, I believe. Um, he's a very interesting queer, American queer filmmaker. Um, what I recommend is, uh, his. I think his last feature was Princess Sid, C-Y-D, in 2017, which I like just fine, but um, I think Henry Gamble's Birthday Party uh, is definitely worth checking out. A 2015 film... Excuse me. I actually have distressing memories over watching it the first time because I watched it alone on election night 2016. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> um, but definitely check it out if you uh, are a fan of indie queer cinema uh, in the U.S. Uh, Stephen Cohen is a, a name to look out for. Oh, oh right. and two things I didn't tell you to put on your list. Uh, the Toronto International... <coughs> Excuse me. Guess, excuse you. The... <coughs> oh, I think I'm dying. No, you're just you're fine. Why don't you uh, can talk amongst yourselves while I get a little sip of water? Oh Go my ahead. god, the Toronto International Film Festival strangely announced some very early titles and also confirmed that they will have uh, physical screenings this year. Um, uh, some of which I'm very excited to see, including a new Terrence Davies film. Uh, Benediction? Uh, Benedictine? I'm not... Anyway. Uh, yes, so that's exciting. Uh, I'm interested to see how that'll coincide with... Because that's a September, <coughs> September as well. Oh my goodness. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, did you watch the trailer for Halloween Kills? No, and I meant to. I'll put it on as soon as we're finished. Oh, okay, alright. I'm obviously very excited for that as yeah. well. Anyhow, okay, so <coughs> the main topic at hand that was chosen randomly is, you know, sometimes uh, uh, a white lady says something worth championing, and that happened. <laughs> well, before you say who it is, I want to tell a quick story about her. That <laughs> was at the 24-Hour Fitness in West Hollywood. This is years ago now. This is years ago when we used to live in West Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I was at the gym, like, a random weekday, like, midday. And I see this person working out, and I approach her and say, Oh, I loved you in Border Run, which is a 2010 movie, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so. I'm talking about Sharon Stone. It's a direct-to-DVD film. Border Run is a direct-to-DVD uh, crap movie that is worth watching. I would watch it again if we owned it. Um, well, yeah, I don't think we do. I bought yeah. it for my sister as a joke gift. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a sexual oh. assault scene that is unintentionally comical Her, and very uncomfortable to watch. But it is it is the most uh, comical rape scene since Faye Dunaway as Evita Perone. It, so, it is the long... And she has this dark hair and eyebrows that's very Joan Crawford. Yeah, but... But this is what so, you honored her with. But this is what I'm honoring Sharon Stone with. Also, if you want to see her sort of unhinged, uh, she did one of these like pandemic Naomi Campbell mm -hmm. interviews. So it's Sharon Stone and Naomi Campbell, and it's basically like a dick measuring contest. Mm -hmm. Very entertaining. Uh, but Sharon Stone did an interview recently. A month ago, but it went viral this week. So um, I thought this was a good topic because, and you're going to explain it, but whenever anyone mentions Meryl Streep around Nick... <laughs> He has the same reaction, which is like, she's not the, like, basically, like, she's not the only great female actor in that age range. Yeah. 
So why is everyone licking her ass? Yeah. And that's basically what Sharon Stone said. Yeah, and I, I felt, I felt so, seen. <laughs> so, so continue. Yeah, no, I've just, you know, I think the gays really have a, a hard time not being interested. It's like last week's topic, not being interested or curious. And, it, you know, she's become the, the go-to, like, oh, yeah, I love Meryl Streep. And I'm so tired of hearing that because... If you like her, then you should be curious about liking other people like her, which is, I think, how that mechanism is supposed to work. But people don't do that. And yes, to me, it's very tiring. I do think Meryl Streep is a great actress. I don't think she deserved all three of those Oscars or all 1,500 of those nominations. Um, it's just laziness. Meryl Streep, when you... And I have friends that do love her, but to me, it, it just seems like... If that's your number one go-to, to me, it's it's kind of lazy. Like it should be okay. She's great, but I also what else do you like? To me, that's boring. It's it's a, it's along the same lines as like when liking Madonna or being being a slave to Madonna or Britney. It's like, well, what else is there? Like, it anyway. should be a red flag if you're just like as a consumer, the idea that like there are. There's this one actor, so if we're talking about Meryl Streep, like, yes, she's very talented, but she can't be in everything. No. And she's not in everything, but everything she does... Is, gets automatic Is attention. treated like it's, like, a classic. It's uh -huh. epic. Yes. And I think that should be a red flag. Like, there are so many talented actors who may even be a better fit well, for a role. So, and, I, and, I, and I think we need to sort of think like we can't every time a person does something it can't be a smash right well I think that's what Sharon Stone went on to say like we this is how Hollywood there can only be one you, you, well, well I don't think I was I explained myself well because I also think like okay so like having Meryl Streep in something like Into the Woods it's like well yeah she can sing mm -hmm. she can and if you can get Meryl Streep in your movie, of course. You should, sure. But sometimes I think, like, God, some of the roles she gets is like, what would this have been like if it wasn't Meryl Streep? She's also, yeah, a, a black hole kind of because you your attention is sucked into right. her. Um, and for the filmmaker, of course, you will, you will be happy to cast Meryl Streep. And there's no shade to her. Like, she's earned her work. But I think if you're, like how you said you know, how gay men have this sort of blind love for Meryl Streep. And it's like, is that just because of the Devil Wears Prada? Which is boring to me, Because too. Which is, you know... I'm she assuming many of these homosexuals can't even name, like... Any other... More than five other Meryl Streep movies. I mean, movies. have you seen Ironweed? Can you name the three films you won an Oscar for? Right. So I think that's my issue. Is, like, people stand for this person because she's just sort of, like... It's like how people say Shake Shack is so great. Oh, God. Like... It's not. It's not. It really isn't. And it's just because it's popular that... And I'm not saying that Meryl Streep isn't great. I just think that it's very easy for people to just throw around like, oh, we love this person. They're so great. You're only saying that because this person has a lot of attention, mm -hmm. like commercial attention. Right, right. And it's not taking away from the thing, but the audience just seems so blind to like... Yes. You know, that's what I was trying to say is that it should be a warning to you that like, are you questioning... Are they really that great? Because you don't know the person's full catalog of work. So you can't really confidently say, like, Meryl Streep is the greatest. Mm -hmm. Because getting nominated every time you do something, like, 
to me, that is a, a sign of some quality. Right, but, uh, but also a fault in the system as well. But it's also a fault in the system because there's no way. There's, that, there's there a, is no, no way that there aren't other people giving... Excellent performances. Comparable, if not better, performances. I definitely agree, yeah. So we shouldn't, like, we, we, we shouldn't just be sort of like... But I, I like that Sharon Stone was like, I make a better villain than Meryl. She's like, she, she wouldn't have been right, and I'm sure she'd say so. <laughs> if I were a woman of a particular age who is an actor, I would feel the same way. Like, I think in any field, like even in film criticism, you know, I've been doing this a decade and seeing, you know, who gets attention and what they have to do to get it and the things, the, the song and dance they have to say, IndieWire. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I can't do that. But it also drives me crazy to see, like, that is obviously what people like. Okay, great. But, but just know that there are other things out there. There, are, there always are alternatives. Um, but in a, another facet of it I, that I think is problematic is the whole Viola Davis, um, who Sharon Stone brings up in, she names a list of several actresses in this rant, this lovely, lovely rant, Judy Davis and Kate Winslet, for fuck's sake. Uh, but Viola Davis who about a, was it a year or so ago or even longer was I think very wisely came out about like if you're going to call me the Black Meryl Streep then pay me what you owe me because um, I don't get paid an equivalent salary uh, but just just the notion of saying like oh she's the Black Meryl Streep no she is Viola Davis it's, or Isabelle Huppert is the French Meryl Streep I which you know which is why for years I rankle at the mention of Meryl's name it's no, the, they are these people, and I understand that you're trying to explain to a layman, per se, how important this person is, and <laughs> but, oh, I just hate it. I have been guilty of calling Isabelle Huppert the Black Meryl, or the... The Black Meryl Streep. <laughs> Isabelle Huppert is the French Viola Davis. Um, no, that she's the French Meryl Streep, because like you said, I'm just trying to explain to someone who has no idea what this person right. is like, that she is such a big deal. But you're right, it's, it, it's an unfair comparison, and I think, too... Like, listening to Viola Davis talk about that, it's... I know oftentimes the rebuttal is like, okay, Viola Davis said, if you think I'm the Black Meryl Streep, pay me what I'm worth. And then the rebuttal is, well, commercially, you don't make the kind of money she does, so we can't pay you. And I think the problem with that is it's the audiences who should be held accountable. Yeah. Like... We need to seek out other things and yes. other people. So again, we this topic today we didn't really prepare, or I didn't prepare, so I feel like I'm rambling. But to get back to what I was trying to say initially, it's not like a Meryl Streep hate hour. It's more just that <laughs> I feel like as a consumer, it's like I can't just say like, oh, I use Dove soap. And that's it. It's the best. Mm -hmm. I will always recommend it. I will... Always use it. No matter what your skincare needs are, you should use Dove. That's the thing. No. Like, there are a lot of alternatives out there, and a lot of things work great for people, and some things could work better for you. And I think with cinema, it's also a product, and we're the consumer, and there's a saturation point. I feel like Meryl Streep does represent quality to me. Sure. I'm assuming she's not going to be in some straight-up bullshit. But also, it's like... I don't know that I think it's going to be like the like a movie that's worth my time or something that I necessarily would be interested in. She just has like she gives the stamp of quality. To yeah, something. for sure. Yeah. But I mean, 
I forget what I was going to... Oh, but I, I think what... Like I keep saying, the mechanism is, you know, obviously I'm... <clears throat> Sigourney and Isabel are my... <laughs> like, yeah, daily Google searches. But, uh, you know, I also had periods growing up where it's like, well, they led me to other... Like things. And, you know, like I had my Faye Dunaway phase and... Um, a Catherine Hepburn phase and a, a Eartha Kitt phase and Grace Jones. Like, you you are led to others and become enriched is how I think it should work. Instead of, you know, me growing up saying, I love Sigourney Weaver, and it's like, well, why bother? Because she's not Meryl Streep. Um, well, as Sharon Stone said, Meryl is not good at everything. Meryl, could she do an action film? Pro you know, probably. But at the level of, could she have been Ellen Ripley? No, I don't think so. Interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I just think, especially when we're talking about roles for women of a particular age, it's like, I mean, even the other actors she named, including herself, it's like, we if we should be normalizing roles for more mature women. Older women. Like, real people. Mm -hmm. Sharon Stone's not a real That's woman true of too. her age. Neither is Sigourney Weaver or Isabella Pere. Jessica Lange doesn't look real, neither does Glenn Close, or, uh, I mean, they all look crazy in some way, or, or unreal, you know, like, sure. Isabella Perry doesn't look her age. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, if you Sigourney think... Weaver doesn't look like someone's grandmother, like, so... If you, if you think, like, you know, which I think is the 70s, the perp, the new American cinema movement, where I think, I think her name is Colleen Dewhurst, the older woman in, um, When a, when a Stranger Calls, Okay. with Carol Kane, where it's coming inside the house. Mm -hmm. Like, listening to that woman talk, and she looks ravaged, it's like, but it's kind of amazing looking. Like, I want to see faces like that, I think. I, well, I think just, like, there being so few roles for an actor like that. Well, yeah, and, we, we're not telling their stories. Like, and, and then we only give them to a handful of people. And again, Meryl Streep is, she's successful and good for her, but, and it's not her problem to deal with. She should take the work she wants to take. But for audiences, I think we need to do a better job of maybe supporting films that don't have Meryl Streep in them, mm -hmm. who, that don't have notable older female actors. Like, there are a lot of people out there who could do great work. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think about when I think about Meryl Streep is like... Well, if you notice, you know, over the past decade, 20 years even, she doesn't... And I know I'm not the first person that has said this. She doesn't take stuff that really challenges her. She's not doing gritty indie work. She's not doing foreign. You know, she's 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 has as she's earned the ability to cherry pick, and that's great. But she's also not doing things that. And you know, to hear all the sh the shit that went down on Big Little Lies too, where she received notes about playing her villain and from the director and refused them. It's kind of like, well, yeah. It's also like. What did Tina Fey saying about getting Elaine Stritch on 30 Rock? Like, oh, it's a bear. She's a bear, but it's worth it. And it's like, well, do you want to be that either? Like, you're, you are an actor. If you're an actor, you're a tool. And you need to listen to... You, you've agreed. <laughs> and I think that's what's fascinating about the alchemy of filmmaking is it never works that way because you get these... But when you have a certain amount of control and you and power, you should be allowed to exercise that power. And sure. I don't... You know, honestly, I don't... I don't know, like, I know, probably know more Meryl of Meryl Streep's uh, work than a lot of people, but I don't have a strong opinion of her. Like, she's fine. Mm -hmm. She's fine. I like Death Becomes Her. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know? She-Devil. I, I know a lot of, yeah, I love She-Devil. I know a lot of her work, and I do really enjoy it. Uh, do I think she's, like, the blueprint? No. 
I don't even think that she's like. I've seen a lot of performances that I thought were way better than anything I've seen from her. Mm-hmm. But she's very talented. Which and you know the same thing like the fact. I love Frances McDormand. The fact that she has three Oscars. You gave her an Oscar for Nomadland, which Best Picture. I guess I understand that win, but it's also a very similar veiny performance to her Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing's Missouri or whatever. I, I'm still just bristling from the fact that you didn't give Viola Davis an Oscar for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom or Andre Day. Like you gave it to France. You give a third Best Actress win to Frances McDormand. Like. Well, uh, but it's it's just like awards are crazy and well it yeah I think you when you grow up is I, I think I'm more frustrated that I'm still so conditioned to think that they matter that 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 awards do matter because they they gain no they offer um, commercial a be, a success benchmark, notoriety yes. I mean they do serve a purpose I just think that for those of us who hold value in them, right? Because if I know something won Best Picture, I'm probably more inclined to have some interest, although I don't know that I've watched, like, I didn't watch last year's Best Picture, the I, previous year's I'm, Best I'm Picture. I'm trying to remember what last year's was. Yeah, I don't think I've watched... Um, you didn't, I know you didn't see Nomadland, which is worth watching. Um, oh, Parasite. You, you saw Parasite? Let me see here. I'm looking this shit up. Oh my god. 2020 Parasite I did see. 2019 Green Book I did not see. Oh, it's terrible. 2018 The Shape of Water I did not see. It's worth watching. 2017 Moonlight I did see in like 2020. (laughs) It took me three years. Mm -hmm. 2016 Spotlight I did enjoy that movie. 2015 Birdman I couldn't finish that movie. 2014 Couldn't Watch 12 Years a Slave. Couldn't watch or didn't want to watch Argo. Argo, fuck yourself. Oh, oh my goodness. That's from the movie. Um, 2012, The Artist. That's like with the black and white movie. Yeah, we saw that I did watch that. Mm -hmm. 2011, The King's Speech. I did watch that. 2010, The Hurt Locker. Didn't see that. Didn't see Slumdog Millionaire. Did see No Country for Old Men. I'm not going to keep going. But anyway. um, Oh, God. No Country won that year, huh? No Country won in 2008. Haven't seen The Departed. Departed's definitely fun. Yeah. Um, a remake as well, but Marty. Uh, yeah, a lot of Green Book is. I mean, a lot. Some of those are frankly embarrassing. Um, what? But what I was gonna say is, awards do matter. But as the consumer, again, like we need to seek out more options. Like we want to see different faces, different voices. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see the same person in every movie. Mm-hmm. You know. Same. And some people. You know, it's like some people, what's the word? Like, they just sort of, uh, they rank out of being, like, they become more of, like, a novelty. Yeah, for sure. Like, getting this person is, like, it's a big deal that I got George Clooney in my movie, and it's his project, and it's going to make all the money, and he's going to make all the money. And But I think at a certain point, it's like, okay, let the other people, and you've heard me talk about this before, I feel very strongly about people who gain a certain amount of success. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say I uh, enter some business venture and end up making $20 million in the next three years. So now, like, I'm good. I made $20 million, I get my cute little house, I start investing, I'm good. And then it's like, oh, but now I need to think, like, what's my next thing? What's my next $20 million? And it's like, well, but I got mine. Like, I'm good. And 
I'd be lying if I sat on this podcast saying if I end up making 20 million, I'm going to turn down the next 20 million. But I also think sometimes it's like, it's okay to like have your moment and put out great work and then move on and do something else. Because how many story, how many like biopics do you see? How many artists do you hear talk about like the struggle of not following up a hit with another sure, hit? Sure. And it's like, but how many hits do you think you're supposed to get? And don't other people deserve hits? That's also what I think about Meryl Streep. Like, she keeps getting all this praise, but she's certainly not the best. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Again, you know, do your thing, make your money, but... I, I think if, it, if it's your dream and your pursuit, of course you, you pursue it more. But it's not for her to... I'm not saying that she should stop. I'm saying that, the, like, as the audience, it's like... Unless you're a diehard Meryl Streep fan, like, I'm never going to not love Janet Jackson. So right. that's, like, don't even talk to me about her. But other people, it's like, you know, like J-Lo. Mm -hmm. I'm not a J-Lo stan. So it's like, uh, yeah, if she comes out with new shit, I'm not really checking for her. Like, I, she has her little, you know, I have my little playlist of J-Lo songs I really like. And I'm very happy with that little playlist. Mm -hmm. And that'll live from, with me forever. Mm -hmm. But I don't need more shit from her. Sure. It doesn't live up to the shit I, I, I fell in love with. That's not to say that she can't continue to make music and that newer audiences can't like it. I just think, when I think about Meryl Streep, like, we can let her be done. Not that she can't keep working, but, like, we can't keep acting like she's the greatest actor of all time. Yeah. She's had her moment. She's the most successful female actor of all time. Mm -hmm. Like... There's some other old bitches out here who could also work. Well, like, you know, the Stone article said, like, I wonder if Meryl likes... Because she's she cuts off the, the um, journalist, but he's like, and how did you feel... Uh, finally getting to work with Meryl. In a, in and she's like, it's funny you say that, because why didn't you say, we finally get to work together, or Meryl got to work with Sharon Stone? Right. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Like... Like, like I'm not some little girl, okay? I... I have a, a fucking career and an Oscar nomination. And like, Sharon Stone is a big deal. But even if it wasn't Sharon Stone, it's just like, unless you're like a like a rookie actor working with a huge star, it's like, what kind of question is that? Right. Like, but, I'm successful too. But she People also, know my name. Right. Like, And she also acknowledges, like, I wonder if Meryl likes that. You know, because it does have an effect on you as well. Sure. And again... This is not the Meryl Streep hate hour. I just, <laughs> I don't know, I feel like a broken record. I, I, I just think as consumers, it's not up to the subjects. They should live their lives and do what makes them happy. But as, you know, we just so blindly follow whatever. Whatever's popular, everyone loves it. Oh, I'm obsessed with whatever's popular this week. Yes, instead of, but because to say, to uh, defer from, uh, you have to have some kind of articulate opinion, right? And I think most people don't. I, I think when you're put on the spot and have to explain why you don't like something that's popular, it's difficult because you look like a contrarian or you, you look like you're difficult or... <laughs> sure, sure. But I think that's easier. To, to, to me, it's more noble than people who just are like... You know, you say this all the time, like how people just so easily fling around the word love. Like, I love this. I'm obsessed with this. And it's like... Oh, yeah. Gourmet, love, uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tiring because it's like you don't really mean what that... You need to go... Oh, this is the best mustard I've ever had. Like, I'm obsessed. And then it's like, let me try this mustard. Oh, yeah. Girl, that ain't nothing but the same Dijon yeah. you get everywhere you go. Like... 
it's it's like we are we have been trained to have this kind of response that if we aren't so overly enthusiastic we're not living maybe or uh, it's okay to be cool on things it's okay or to be like i or i didn't get it or i'm not excited about it or maybe i need to be in a different mood (laughs) this makes me think i was on a, a a work zoom call yesterday no friday and the conversation of Peloton came up. Oh, God. Because several people, you know, have them, and then they, like, it's a community, and I'm not fully aware. But, and, you know, it's great that they are excited about it, and the way they were talking about it, they almost sold me. Mm-hmm. Almost. But then I thought, you know, Peloton's so popular, but it's just a fucking stationary bike yeah. with, like, a video playing. And the reality is, like, I'm not trying to say my body's all that, but... When I'm focused and I'm doing what I need to do, I can get my shit together working out in the back of our house mm-hmm. with an iPad propped up against a mirror. Mm-hmm. I don't need an $1,800 bike and paying $40 a month You don't, you to can... still look regular schmegular like most of these people who are obsessed with Peloton. Every person I know, not every person because they might be listening. Some people are put together. But right. many people I see who I, who I know who do use Peloton... Um, they're not in the best shape. So it's like, so you spend all this money. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I work out with some free YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Same. On, and run outside. Yeah. And I think I'm more put together. But again, it's whatever works for people. I just, what when I think about like Peloton to me is like Meryl Streep. Like it's just like this popular thing that everyone's obsessed with. And it's like, but for why? Like Because because we're all following everybody else's tails. There are other stationary bikes. Yes. There, are, there are other video screens you could work off work out off of but i guess the meryl streep topic is really the 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 bigger topic is as consumers we latch on to whatever's popular and we iconicize it Mm -hmm. when it's like but this is just it's like people talking about like what's that blue bottle coffee or Mm -hmm. yeah any of that well name brand name brand anything it's it's i can afford expensive coffee i live in a neighborhood where or a city where that's available to me I just don't know that I would hop in my car and drive to West LA to spend like $8 on a small cup of black coffee. No, no, absolutely When I can literally roll up to McDonald's across the street and get my $2 cup well, now, and use my rewards app. Well, well, now, I don't think that's good <coughs> coffee. But, I know you don't think McDonald's But I will drink coffee. it. I'll drink it. I mean... But I'm just saying, I just... It's like the experience has value. So I'm not taking away from people's experience... Like, if, if you like sitting a Blue Bottle or whatever it's called and you feel good about that, and then that's great. Enjoy it. That's fine. Sure. And I also, there are certain places I enjoy patronizing just because I like the vibe and I like, it's like even getting Starbucks. You know, some mornings, there are some mornings when I'm feeling good and my car's clean and I drive a nice car and I want to go to the drive-thru of Starbucks mm-hmm. and stun on these hoes and get my little black coffee. The experience is nice. Of course. Of course. So I'm not going to pretend that I'm not shallow in that way or that and i don't even know i think it's shallow it's just like some days you just want to feel good about what you're doing Mm -hmm. right i want to feel good about like the choices i've made and i go to work and i pay these bills and i go i got a car i like and i you know i want to keep it clean and you know someone tells me oh i have a nice car that feels good Mm -hmm. so yeah aligning yourself with things that people associate as being nice makes sense so it makes sense that oh i'm obsessed with meryl streep Oh, she's the greatest. She's my favorite. I'm not shitting on that because she is very successful. She she is, and and I, it's an, and like you said, it's an easy thing. To, it's 
it's more awkward to sort of make an argument for why she's not your fave, right? Right. So I don't blame people for just saying. But but, but also I think when you bring up you know when we're talking about Meryl and the gays, like the Devil Wears Prada, it's like can you name five other performances that are actually sure. better, more interesting, and then I'm impressed, well, and then I want to talk about Meryl Streep. I want to talk well, about. Well, the thing that often happens with Nick, like when we used to socialize more, and people didn't really understand his knowledge of cinema or just your knowledge in general, people would say things like, "Oh, I'm obsessed with like." Marilyn Monroe. And then, of course, Nick is like, oh, have you seen blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And the person has... The only thing they know about her is the the image of her in the white dress with the air vent blowing up her skirt. And they don't even know which movie that's from. Right. And I think, like, yeah, that's a good example of people saying they're obsessed with actors. And it's like, you don't even... You can't even name more than one film they're in. Yeah. Like... Because to me, you know, dum-dum me, I'm like... When somebody says they're obsessed with something, I'm like, oh, yes, I finally can talk about Niagara, my favorite Marilyn Monroe movie. <laughs> or, like, you know. But that, that's with a lot of things, like music, food. Or even there was a, a filmmaker we had over once that, you know, professed to love Sigourney Weaver. And it's like, oh, but there's major things you haven't seen. Okay. <laughs> right. And again, you don't have to... You no, can, you can love pizza and have never had anything other than Papa John's. Like right. that's fine. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And you can love music and not know, like anyone who's been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But yeah, it, it's just a very interesting thing. It's just a very interesting thing that we as consumers like jump on these bandwagons. Which you know, oh, you know what? Something I wanted to bring up too uh, quickly is I obviously I miss things all the time too. But that new Liam Neeson movie we. Um, reviewed the, the, ice, ice the ice road um i saw somebody else writing about it and i think that i was so bored and disliked it so much that i didn't catch on that it was kind of a remake of this classic french film uh on henri georges clouseau's uh the wages of fear which was remade uh, by william friedkin as in sorcerer and Sorcerer is a great... Wages of Fear is a classic, but Sorcerer is a really fucking good William Friedkin movie with Roy Scheider. Um, but the Ice Road was so bad, I didn't even get it. But I felt bummed. I felt bums that I didn't, I didn't get that. Anyway. Well, this conversation is all over the place, but... Um, Just like my mind this week. Yeah. But um, we should probably wrap up. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, yes, I'm going to leave you with a quote from Michel Foucault. Oh, oh well, thank you in advance for that. <laughs> um, where there is power, there is resistance. Power, there is resistance. Okay. Uh, any other things? Uh, so, yeah, hopefully next week... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll record something. We'll record week. something, whether it's early and then just drop it on Sunday or... Uh, maybe something while you're in France. And uh, yeah. yeah, take care. Power to the people. Love, peace, and hair grease. Mm. Bye. Bye. Bye.